Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. It's Monday, April 3rd. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And this is What A Day, where even though Pedro Pascal's birthday was yesterday, we are still convinced this man does not age. If one thing can make you immortal, it's becoming the internet's boyfriend. Every time someone posts a Pedro Pascal fan cam, he actually gets one day younger. Love that for him. Lesser known (laughs) fact. The left will not tell you this. On today's show, the long goodbye has begun for our blue check marks on Twitter. Plus, paleontologists say the mighty T-Rex may have kept an actual stiff upper lip. No, thank you. Don't want to hear that. Mm-mm. At all. Nope. But first... We have just gotten word <gasps> former President Donald Trump has been indicted mm. by a grand jury in New York. Oh, yes, you heard it there from the folks over at Fox News, audible gasps included, that former reality TV star and twice impeached former president Donald Trump has been indicted by a New York grand jury. That happened late last week, making Trump the first president of these United States to face criminal charges. As we know, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, led by Alvin Bragg, has been investigating Trump in connection with his alleged role in a hush money payment scheme to adult film actress Stormy Daniels in exchange for her silence about an affair she says they had a decade earlier. The payment was around the 2016 presidential election. Well, after being indicted, Trump is expected to be arraigned on Tuesday, at which time we expect to find out the exact charges he's facing, because as of now, everything is under seal. But CNN has reported that he faces more than 30 counts related to business fraud. Why do I feel like we are at the beginning of a long hike? Because we are. And I didn't sign up for this hike. (laughs) And I don't like hiking. You better put on your boots, Chelsea. Oh, my God. They're not even broken in. I was going to ask you how Trump said anything, and then I remembered who we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So I'll just ask, what has he said? Because I'm assuming he said things. He's not known for his silence. He's not an introvert, right? He's not an introvert. (laughs) He's not an introvert. Well, he and his Republican colleagues are obviously calling it all a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. In a statement Thursday, Trump said, quote, The American people realize exactly what the radical left Democrats are doing here. Everyone can see it. So our movement and our party, united and strong, will first defeat Alvin Bragg, and then we will defeat Joe Biden. And we are going to throw every last one of these crooked Democrats out of office so we can make America great again. So, you know, Trump being Trump as usual. He needs to learn the art of periods and sentences. But also, (laughs) I find something hilarious about this, hilarious and deeply depressing, which is that After being indicted, Trump's lead over DeSantis grew significantly. Not good news. Not good news. But again, right, this entire situation is unprecedented. 
And I wanted to get a bit of info about what we might be able to expect in the coming days and weeks, maybe months, who knows. So I spoke to Harry Littman, senior legal affairs columnist for the LA Times and a former deputy assistant attorney general at the Department of Justice. I started by asking him about what exactly we know and don't know about how all of this will unfold. We know a lot but not everything. First, we know what uh, made Bragg pull the plug about a year ago so we can identify the areas that he wanted to shore up. I would say there are two. One is Michael Cohen's credibility, and we know that there's going to be a fair bit of corroboration that the grand jury has heard and that will be part of the indictment. And then this gets a little legal, but you've heard this, that the basic charge will be a misdemeanor and it will be elevated to a felony because it's done in the service of another crime. That's the very first thing I'm going to turn to to see what that other crime might be. But that's the overall contours. I think you're hearing some of the pot shots from the right on the idea that this is just an accounting error, etc. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see Bragg position it as more than just Stormy Daniels, which isn't an accounting error anyway, but as a whole kind of scheme starting in 2015, ending with Trump in the White House. And it's sort of the old, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up in the sense that the entire course of conduct is designed, if you think about it, to conceal the facts from the American people at the end of an election, hotly contested, where he'd already taken a hit Mm -hmm. on this very uh, axis of of former sexual assault victims. So that's the third thing, is that it'll be more broad than just Stormy Daniels, at least in the narrative in the indictment. We also know, right, that Tuesday is supposed to be the day that Trump will turn himself in to face the arraignment. How do you expect that will go? As normal as possible, which is to say, not very normal at all. (laughs) You know, arraignments are normally pretty sleepy uh, pedestrian affairs, but obviously this is going to be, you know, covered live. My best guess, it'll be short and sweet. He shows up and gets printed, and they should have a mugshot. They're saying they're not, but that would really, I think, be a mistake just to treat him specially in that way. He'll come out at about 2.15. Mr. Trump, here are the charges. Are you aware of the charges? Yes. How do you plead? Not guilty. And that'll basically be it. He'll be spirited away and will be in this whole period that could go many months or more of pretrial litigations, motions, where he doesn't have to physically appear. Now, you mentioned the other day on Twitter that because Trump has been trumping on social media and showing his behind, as my grandmother would say, (laughs) that there might also be a chance for, you know, a gag order or something, something to control how he is like publicly talking about all of this. What do you expect to kind of come in that direction? Yeah, I mean, that's the really big question. And if not now, later, Trump doesn't realize he's just going by instinct, but he's savaging both the court and the prosecutor by name, and they each have nuclear weapons they can use on him. So the court, I think the court will be very circumspect, very cautious, but the point will come, and it might be Tuesday, when he enters a gag order, a very careful one that won't keep him from campaigning, but he enters it, and now we're potentially off to the races, because Trump violates it once. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm serious, Mr. Trump. Twice, but a third time. There comes a point where 
this is bottomed eventually by, if you keep doing this, I'm gonna hold you in contempt. And that means short, but jail time. That's gotta be just a total nightmare for Trump. Just think about, you know, his hair for starters. <laughs> but this is really threatening stuff. I mean, somebody honestly could get hurt or killed with his rhetoric. He said, how much more can American patriots take and the like? What Merchant, the, the judge has to think about is the safety of the personnel in court. Mm -hmm. And second, not having the jury pool be too corrupted. And he's got the power to do it. Yeah, I mean, folks have already been pre-celebrating Trump potentially going to jail on Twitter. But, right, we still have to see this all play out in court, right? I want to know from you, what exactly does D.A. Bragg need to prove? And what would you say are some of the challenges that he will likely face? I think it's premature to be saying how difficult it is before people have even seen the charges. Mm -hmm. But I think it boils down to one fact thing and one legal thing. So on the facts, he's got to prove that Trump basically did this to conceal the truth and it's probably caught up in a tax violation because if you remember it was all designed to quote unquote make Michael Cohen whole so there's probably a lot of finagling and monkey business mm. with the money the question is why did Trump do it now he's tried to float the idea he was worried about Melania and it wasn't had nothing to do with the campaign I think that's going to be blown out of the water though the very last witness he had that the grand jury heard David Pecker from the National Enquirer, we know they got together in 2015 thinking about the election, thinking women would come out of the woodwork. And it wasn't just Stormy Daniels, by the way. Karen McDougal did come out of the woodwork. So you've got to prove basically he's trying to conceal and deceive. And that will be largely but not completely done through Michael Cohen. And I think the centerpiece of the trial for the Trump team will be to try to just completely uh, cut Cohen to ribbons. As you've been watching this unfold, I wonder what's the strongest indicator to you that Bragg actually has a solid case here, one that he presumably thinks he can win? A couple things. First, of course, he stepped away from it a year ago, so he's not a guy who came into office looking to get Trump for any reason. Second, this is a case that when you embark on, it's not an investigative grandeur. It's really with an eye to bring in the cases. But this is, for him, it would be a kamikaze mission if he doesn't have the goods. Talk about a stress test for the criminal justice system. And Bragg's job is to you know, wear blinders, do his best, and not talk in the public eye. So these things are going to be unanswered. I've tried to think of precedents in the country's history. I can't think of any. I think it's going to be wow. just an, a very crazy and stressful period. And it's going to last maybe a couple years when you think about the other charges that I do believe are in the wings. My last question for you, Donald Trump, as we know, is facing a plethora of legal challenges yeah. from the case pending against him in Georgia to the Justice Department, special counsel investigating his role in the January 6th insurrection and the discovery, right, of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. We've talked about all of yeah. those on the show at length. Could this case, even if it doesn't end in a conviction, make it more likely that Trump might face charges in these other investigations. Wondering, you know, if we will see a domino effect, if you will, yeah. starting with this one and then with the others to come. 
It sure won't make it harder for them to bring it. <laughs> you know, in theory, each of them, Fonnie Willis, Jack Smith, have their own lookout. But we've kind of crossed a Rubicon of sorts. So mm-hmm. I got to think that it, it now it's a plausible thing, even aside from the psychological kind of lifting of a barrier for Smith and Willis. They were already showing signs of getting close, and I actually think we're focused on this case as the first. I think it might be first out of the box, but I don't think it'll be first to the finish line. I think that might be Mar-a-Lago, mm. and it might be coming soon. And that should be, among other things, a game changer for the dynamic we've been talking about where people are calling this political. How much can you keep with that refrain as other charges Mm -hmm. come to the fore? And especially if Trump is acting like, excuse the expression, you know, a jackass, Mm -hmm. will he continue to get all the support of the R's? We really do have this plethora of things all over Trump. And don't forget some of the civil cases, especially from the New York AG, Mm -hmm. which won't put him in jail, but are kind of ruinous in their own right. So he's in the, the soup in many different ways. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. That was my interview with Harry Littman, senior legal affairs columnist for the LA Times. As always, we will keep you updated on this as everything develops this week and in the weeks to come. It will be a lot of weeks, I'm sure, of us talking about this story. Oh my God, so many weeks. But that is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. An explosion at a cafe in St. Petersburg, Russia yesterday killed a prominent pro-war Russian military blogger and left at least 25 other people injured. It's not immediately clear who was behind the blast, but Russian authorities are treating it as a homicide. According to one independent Russian news outlet, Vladlin Tatarsky was leading an event organized by a pro-Kremlin propaganda group and was handed a box containing a bust of himself shortly before the explosion. Tatarsky, whose real name is Maxim Fomin, was originally from the Donetsk region of Ukraine and had a massive online following in Russia for his support for the invasion, and even blogged from the front lines of the conflict. Some Russian officials have blamed Ukraine for Tatarsky's death, though an advisor to Ukraine's president suggested the blast was the result of political infighting. This isn't the first time that a public figure connected to the war has been killed on Russian soil. Last August, Daria Dugina, the daughter of an ultra-nationalist advisor to Vladimir Putin, was killed in a car bomb attack outside Moscow. And to follow up on a story we told you about last week, Mexican authorities have arrested five people in connection to the fire that killed dozens of migrants at a detention facility in Ciudad Juarez. They include three Mexican immigration officials and two private security guards. The detainee accused of setting the fire will also face homicide charges. It is still not known if any of the victims of the blaze had been sent back to Mexico from the United States under Title 42. Meanwhile, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador on Friday said the tragedy, quote, broke my soul and paid a brief visit to the facility that same day. But he did not meet with migrants who have called for answers to the tragedy, nor did he visit any of their surviving victims who are now in the hospital. At least 32 people in seven states were killed over the weekend after a powerful storm system tore a path of destruction across the Midwest, the South, and the Mid-Atlantic region. The severe weather spawned nearly 100 tornadoes, including a deadly twister that touched down late Friday near Little Rock, Arkansas. 
President Biden has already approved a request for federal disaster aid from Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, even though Sanders tweeted shortly after she took office in January that, quote, the meddling hand of big government creeping down from Washington, D.C. will be stopped cold at the Mississippi River. As we know... They always say these things until they themselves and their constituents need actual federal government help. I know. It's so depressing and infuriating. On Saturday, Twitter began removing their signature blue check marks from accounts that have refused to pony up for their new pay-to-play system. Since Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover last October, the social media company has found itself desperately in need of cash, prompting the launch of Twitter Blue, which allows any user to pay $8 a month for the mark previously used as a verification badge. Meanwhile, business accounts have been asked to pay a subscription of $1,000 a month or else see the check marks on their account disappear. But as far as who's being decommissioned first, things are looking a little personal. By Sunday morning, the flagship account for the New York Times found itself blue checklist hours after Musk had tweeted that their feed was, quote, the Twitter equivalent of diarrhea. Just a five-year-old he is. In this instance, it probably takes one to know one. The Times, The Washington Post, and even LeBron James all indicated last week that they have no plans to pay for the Blue Check subscription service. I, too, have no intention of paying. I was just about to say, not a dime's coming out of this budget. Mm-mm. Listen, okay. If you're still reeling from the new age concept of befeathered dinosaurs, hold on to your butts. According to a study published last Thursday, the T-Rex may have had lips. All the better to eat us with, my dear. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) I'm so upset. (laughs) Well, the apex predator of the late Cretaceous era has been famously depicted as a toothy carnivore. Scientists have uncovered evidence suggesting that the Tyrannosaurus likely hid its massive teeth behind a fleshy lip. Keeping the teeth moist and in perfect condition to swallow Edmontosaurus's whole. The previous school of thought evokes the exposed teeth look of modern crocodiles, while this imagining resembles something more like the Komodo dragon. However, some paleontologists have a bone to pick with this theory, saying we can't be certain until we find a fossil with the soft tissue still intact, which hasn't happened yet. (sighs) However, T-Rexes having lips would explain why the dinosaurs were so mad all the time, as chapstick wasn't invented until the 1890s. Whatever you do, do not tell my son this fact. (laughs) I have about exhausted every T-Rex fact on the planet. And if he hears another one, (laughs) I am adding two to three more years on my T-Rex information hold. And I'm not interested in it. I don't want to know anything else about T-Rex. You're not interested? Just picture a T-Rex with lips. It's so terrible. It makes me so uncomfortable. You know, it's giving art, Josie. It's giving... It's giving (laughs) AI art. (laughs) And those are the headlines. We'll be back after some ads to commemorate the first trial in history to declare anyone Gwynnocent. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. 
Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. It's Monday Wad Squad, and today we're doing a segment called Wad Remembers, where we bid a fond farewell to something that's not a person but has still enriched our lives and is still about to be gone forever. On Friday, in a blow to retired optometrists everywhere, a Park City, Utah jury deemed Gwyneth Paltrow officially Gwynnocent of colliding recklessly into 76-year-old Terry Sanderson on a luxury ski slope in 2016. The trial and the accompanying live stream of every testimony was a parade of unseriousness, which in addition to teaching us all about skiing right-of-way laws, showed us every shade of beige in Gwyneth Paltrow's closet. After Goop's name was cleared, she was awarded her $1 in damages, and the trial was over before you could say bone broth breakfast. So we'd like to say a few words. Josie, take it away. Look, I was primed to be against Gwyneth (laughs) because I was annoyed about her bone broth breakfast. I'm annoyed about Goop. I'm annoyed that sometimes I'm interested in Goop. I'm annoyed. (laughs) But then this optometrist started talking about QAnon. (laughs) And that really just changed my mind. I was pro-Gwyneth. There's nobody to root for, but I do really root for Gwyneth's gray blazer. It was so cute. And I would love for her to tell me where it is or else I'll sue her. Then I guess she will sue you back for a dollar. A dollar. And she'll win. And win. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Josie, this is my particular brand of like white women foolishness. Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow did not have to fight this. No. She could have gave a couple dollars Mm -hmm. and kept it moving. Mm -hmm. But she said, you know what? Let's go to court in Park City, Utah. She said, I am the underdog. Yes. (laughs) Kind of admire it. You know what? We've all got to admire something. We've all got... That and- is such a beautiful way of putting it. Life is tough right now, and you got to get your inspiration where you can. And mine came from Gwyneth's blue blazer. Oh, gray blazer. Any blazer. I like her blazer. <laughs> Any blazer. Any blazer. A blazer with a strong shoulder, Josie. I love a blazer with a thing? strong shoulder. I love the rich people in court. It's just so good. Because I'm like, <laughs> you're wearing no logos I know you're so rich. I know that this blazer cost you a gazillion dollars. And then walking out and whispering, I wish you well to him is so rude and so beautiful. It was so great. That's it was so great. true petty energy. It was the pettiest thing ever. She thought about it for so long before she did it. I mean, what can you say? That was Wad remembers. May we always remember that the right of way belongs to the downhill skier. The more you know. Who knew? Who knew? 
One more thing before we go. The Crooked Store just dropped a new collection that's all about the fight to codify Roe. Since we can't rely on the courts to uphold reproductive rights, codifying Roe means passing legislation that protects abortion access in all 50 states for all Americans. The Crooked Store has everything you need to spread the word from water bottles, stickers, and unisex tees. Head over to crooked.com slash store to pick up a piece now. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, kiss the next T-Rex you see right on the lips, mm. and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just how to convert Pedro Pascal thirst into a renewable energy source like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And, and shout, shout out, out LSU, LSU Tigers. Tigers. Yay, sports ball. I liked the Tigers. I was a Caitlin Clark fan. I was into her, but... Tigers took it, and I'm not mad. Listen, you know more than me. I have never heard either of those names. I barely know what a tiger is. (laughs) Okay, well, my five-year-old son has you covered on what a tiger is. Don't you worry. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Raven Yamamoto is our associate producer. Our head writer is Jossie Kaufman. And our executive producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. 